Welcome to Beneath the Rim, covering everything that's happening in and around the NBA. You're about to hear one of our layup episodes. Quick hits of information to keep you up to date on what's happening, but short enough to squeeze in during your morning drive. Check back on Sundays for the full court episode, where host Kevin Kloss chats with the brightest minds covering the league. Now time for the show. Welcome to Beneath the Rim, a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. I'm Kevin Kloss, and today it's a whole lot of Russell Westbrook and Houston Rockets fun. But before that, just a little bit of housekeeping. First, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Roto Heat Kevin. Give me a follow for a lot of good NBA chat, but fair warning if you're a fan of the Miami Heat. I don't get the BAM love, but you're not alone, me not understanding why BAM was untradeable for the Miami Heat. Don't worry, I also don't understand why people like the Dave Matthews band. So, Roto Heat Kevin on Twitter. Follow me, usually putting up some different NBA thoughts just about every day. Along with Twitter, Beneath the Rim is also available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. So, two things you can do knowing we're on those platforms. The first thing, subscribe if you like the show. That way you'll get our new episodes. And in addition to subscribing, do me a little favor. If you enjoy what you hear, would you leave a review? Those are the kind of things that really help us get this show in front of more people. So, if you like the show, subscribe for new episodes and leave a review. Let me know what you'd like to see changed in the future. Now we're on to that big trade that happened less than 24 hours ago. Russell Westbrook heads from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Chris Paul. First round picks in 2024 and 2026. And there's also pick swaps in 2021 and 2025. I'll start off by saying this. Sam Presti, you are a showman. You've dealt Paul George for five first round picks, SGA and Gallo just before free agency really got cooking there with the big Kawhi Leonard signing. And now you trade Russell Westbrook and you bring in future Hall of Fame point guard Chris Paul, two first-round picks, and two pick swaps. This episode is not about Oklahoma City. But if it was, we would probably talk about how the eight first-round picks that they have could serve this team in a couple of ways. Could serve them to build through the draft throughout the years. Or what I think is more likely and what I think would be a quicker rebuild is to take those eight picks and bring yourself in a couple stars and build around SGA, Chris Paul, if he stays there, building around Chris Paul. And the other pieces you still have there in Oklahoma City, if they wanted to, they could turn that thing around quickly. But as I said, this is not about Oklahoma City. This is about Houston. Houston adds, well, I would say two of the more dynamic one-on-one players in the league with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. That's the plus. The question, though, is these are guys who need the ball. These are guys who pound the ball to get what they want on the floor, to get shots, to get passes, to get to the sweet spot for each of them on the floor. They need the ball in their hands. You know, we saw that there were some issues with Chris Paul and James Harden, and I think that's the biggest criticism of this trade is just how do James Harden and Russell Westbrook play together? Now, courtesy of Kevin O'Connor on Twitter, do you want to give him the credit for this? 
These are some per 36 stats for Chris Paul with James Harden off the floor. 22.5 points, 12.5 for assists, and 58% true shooting percentage. Those are pretty good numbers. Remember, that's without Harden on the floor. Now, with Harden on the floor, those numbers drop drastically. Just 14.4 points, 7 assists, and just a slight decrease in the true shooting percentage from 58 to 54. So Chris Paul was not the same player when Harden was on the floor versus when he was off the floor. To a certain degree, that's to be expected. Chris Paul also a ball-dominant guard. But what I do think can't be overlooked is Chris Paul is not Russell Westbrook. Chris Paul is in the back half of his career. The player he is now and has been in Houston is not the player we saw in New Orleans. Is not even the player that we saw with the Clippers. You know, if you think about that Clippers Chris Paul, he could break you down off the dribble, get the shot he wanted, get to the rim when he wanted, get in a spot on the floor where he didn't have to shoot and he could set up his teammates. We still saw some of that when he was in Houston, but by no means did we see the same degree of playmaking capabilities in Houston as we did earlier in his career. And that's not a knock on Chris Paul. That's just the fact that he's an aging player in the NBA who's been through his fair share of injuries. So I think Russell Westbrook's not the same player as Chris Paul. I think Russell Westbrook has the capability to get to the rim and get past his defender much better than Chris Paul does at this point in his career. But it can't be denied that despite the fact that they have played together, Westbrook and Durant played together in Oklahoma City, but was a much more passive player in Oklahoma City. That was why when he went to Houston, people had some questions about, can this be a guy who carries his own team? Now, clearly we've seen he can be with MVP awards and the success he's had in the regular season. Hasn't quite put it together with a final strip in terms of postseason performance. But you can't deny he's one of the best isolation scores in the NBA. He's probably one of the best one-on-one scores we've seen in the history of the game. But it is fair to ask the question, how do these two ball-dominant guards play together? So at the five, they still have Clint Capella. He was a guy I thought they might have to move if they were going to bring in another star. For right now, Clint Capella, still the starting center. Power forward, P.J. Tucker. I really like P.J. Tucker, plays hard, gives you a lot of good minutes both in the regular season and in the playoffs. Underrated defender to an extent, you know. He's slotted as the power forward, but he can step out, he can guard to three, he can guard to two in some instances. So versatile player really fits in with what I think Houston's going to try to do at times playing a little more positionless basketball. Daniel House and Gerald Green, they're really the guys we're looking at in terms of small forwards on the Rockets roster. James Harden, Eric Gordon are shooting guards. You know, Harden obviously can get slotted over to small forward as well and have Eric Gordon starting at the two. And then in point guard now, we've got Russell Westbrook, Austin Rivers, and a guy who I think is going to end up making the roster in Chris Clemens. Talked about him before from Belmont. Kid's not big, only about 5'8", but he can shoot the three, scored a ton of points in Division I college basketball history. He's a guy who I could see sticking around the roster for the Rockets, just because of the fact that he could be a good scoring option off the bench. So that's really the guys that are going to play a big role for the Rockets this year. I would be lying if I told you I know how Russell Westbrook and James Harden can work together. Here's what I do think. I think James Harden is at the point in his career where winning is paramount for him. He's gotten the accolades. He's gotten the personal success of the MVP and the recognition with all the points that he scores and the great highlights that he has night in and night out of breaking down the defense. 
As we said before, though, what he really hasn't had is any success in terms of postseason play. The West is weak. We talk about this, I feel like, every other episode. Golden State is not going to be the Warriors from the past two years. Kevin Durant is gone. D'Angelo Russell, from everything I've heard from Mark Stein, is not long for that team. We're not sure when or if Klay Thompson is going to return to Klay Thompson we've seen in the past. I think Curry is going to be great, but if Curry's carrying the kind of load we expect him to carry for the majority of this season, it's not out of the question that he breaks down a little bit. Draymond Green, he's going to be great as well. He's going to have to do more playmaking, obviously, without Durant and without Clay there for most of the year. So while Golden State's going to be very good, they're not going to be the team we've seen in the past. The next best team could easily be the LA Lakers with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, DeMarcus Cousins. I think that's a team that's going to contend. I think they're probably easily a top three seed in the West. But when you are so top heavy with those two stars, and then you're really relying on guys we talked about, like Danny Green, like DeMarcus Cousins, like Rajon Rondo, I don't know how that's all going to play out. So what I'm getting at here is, well, you might say, you might want to say, oh, the Lakers, I think the Lakers would have the edge over Houston. Or, hey, I think Golden State still has the edge over Houston. I don't think it's unfair to say these teams, I think, would beat Houston. Here's what I think is unfair to say, that there is a team in the West that is clearly better than the Houston Rockets. With this move, they dialed back the age a little bit. It's not a great contract. That Russell Westbrook contract is a lot of money as he heads into the second half of his career. I acknowledge that. But if what Houston is saying is we're making a run this year, I don't think there's a better guy who you could throw on the floor than Russell Westbrook. And I don't think you can overlook the fact that because Harden and Westbrook played together in Oklahoma City, they understand each other. And I think there's a friendship there that's going to help this chemistry build a little quicker than if Houston was to go in and bring in someone, like if they'd pulled in D'Angelo Russell. The chemistry there may have gotten to the point where it is with Russell, Westbrook, and James Harden now, but it would have taken a little longer. We're going to move off of Houston now and talk about the team that's kind of left there looking at their hands empty-handedly, and that's Miami. What's going on, Miami? A lot of reports over the last few days that Miami was where Russell Westbrook wanted to go. In the end, I don't think that was accurate. I think what he wanted and what's being reported he wanted was to be reunited with James Harden. I think he was okay being traded to Miami, but it looks like his real preference was to go to Houston and play with Harden. There was a report on Thursday that Oklahoma City was asking for two first-round picks, Tyler Hero, Bam, and Winslow. And if Twitter NBA was any indication of what the Miami Heat thought about that, there was not a shot in hell that that offer was ever going to happen. And here's what I would say to Miami fans who are upset that they didn't get Russell Westbrook or who were saying, hey, we're not trading Hero, Bam, or Winslow. That's fine. And I said this to people today, it's fine if you don't want to give up one of those three guys. But you weren't getting Russell Westbrook by offering them the contract of Drogic, Derrick Jones Jr., Cap Relief, and Kelly Olynyk. That wasn't going to be enough to get a superstar. The fact that there were people out there who thought the Miami Heat will offer Cap Relief and Oklahoma City will just be happy enough to get out from underneath that contract that they will trade away an an MVP candidate every single year was lunacy. It was ridiculous to even think that that would be a notion that would be entertained. Jimmy Butler, he's in Miami. You need another running mate for Jimmy Butler. 
Woj had a report on Thursday night that said Chris Paul still a possibility for Miami. That does conflict with a report we had directly after the trade, Sam Amick, who indicated that CP3 would be a part of that team. That Oklahoma City made that trade with the idea that Chris Paul was going to be part of this talented team that they think they can build with those eight first-round picks that they have, including some of the pieces left in Oklahoma City. The West is wild. The West is going to be fun. I think the East is going to be fun. But the West seems just outrageous right now with the Clippers, with the Lakers, with the moves made by the Jazz, and with this big move by the Rockets. It's going to be wild in the West. Get your NBA League Pass payments in early. A couple of quick things we want to hit before we wrap up. Marcus Morris signs a one-year deal with an extra $15 million. He originally had a deal in place with the San Antonio Spurs backed out of that to go sign with the Knicks. Really like this move for the Knicks. You know, when we look at some of the guys on their team, we look at the fact that they have R.J. Barrett, who needs those slashing lanes. He needs to be able to get to the rim to be effective, as he's not much of a perimeter shooter. What's going to create those lanes is being able to space the floor. Marcus Morris will help space the floor, and if we think that Kevin Knox is going to improve as a shooter, that's just going to help even more, help space the floor out for guys like Barrett for Alfred Payton, for Dennis Smith Jr., who I still think can be a real effective player at this level. I'm excited for this signing for the Knicks. We'll see if they can take this signing with Morris, continue to build on their offseason, and try to put together a competitive roster this coming season. And just a quick trip to Summer League, a guy we haven't talked a whole lot about, Rui Hachimura out of Gonzaga. Maybe a bit overdrafted for me. You know, he was taken by the Wizards in the lottery. For me, he wasn't the Gonzaga guy I wanted in the lottery. I liked Brandon Clark more. I just like what I saw from Clark each year. He seemed to get a little bit better. And just what he brought to the floor in terms of defense at Gonzaga with the way he was able to affect shots at the rim, block shots, get steals, and just the way he moved without the ball. Brandon Clark was the guy who I really liked. But Hachimura was balling out on Thursday. 25 points, 9 rebounds, 2 blocks, was effective shooting the ball from the field. Oh, and here's the most important thing. He put up those numbers in a comeback win against the Hawks. Sure, it's Atlanta in the Summer League. It's nothing that you're going to write home about. It's nothing you're going to tell your grandkids about. But here's what it is. It's a good first step for a rookie who some people may have had some negative opinions on coming out of the draft. I really like Hachimura. The few things I think he needs to improve on, he needs to extend the range on his jumper. Right now, it's just not at that level where people are going to have to really cover him at the three-point line or even for deep twos. And the second thing is, if you watch his college tape, he does tend to struggle when the double team comes and he has to make the smart pass out of the double team. At times, he struggles to find what the smart pass is, what the best play is to pass out of that double. Don't miss That's something that he's going to grow into. That's something he'll get better at as he continues to see time at the NBA level. But real strong performance by Rui Hachimura. 25 points, 9 rebounds, and 2 blocks. We were going to start to dive into some some off-season team previews soon, so we weren't hitting Summer League all the time. And then this big Rockets-Oklahoma City trade kind of threw everything into a whirlwind. But we will get to that in the coming weeks. We'll be doing just breakdowns of teams, just looking through the roster, looking at people they've added, people they've lost, and just doing some light projections on what we expect from them in the coming year. So expect that coming up soon. 
Want to let everybody know on Sunday we're dropping our full court episode as I talk with Carl Berman from Net Scouts. He helps scout players both domestically and internationally. We had some talks about some international guys who were taken in this past year's draft. We also talked about the 2015 draft where Porzingis came out, Hazonia came out. Only one of them has really lived up to that potential that they were taken with with the draft capital as they both went top five. And he's also got some interesting insights on Bull Bull and why he thinks that he dropped not just out of the lottery, but out of the first round entirely. That's coming up for you on Sunday. Carl Berman from Net Scouts. The easiest way to get that is to subscribe to the podcast. Whatever podcast client you do use, simply search for Beneath the Rim. I'm Kevin Kloss. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Don't miss a moment of the action. Subscribe to Beneath the Rim for automatic delivery of new episodes in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.